0: Mr. Keys here today, but I give honor to Pastor Johnson and Sister Johnson here today for their work and what they've done here. Amen, amen. It'll be 35 years, August the 20th of this year that I found her at the Arkansas campground, married her shortly thereafter, and we're going to celebrate 35 years of marriage here in a few days. She's still lovely. Spectacular. Few few months ago she started a ministry that's dear to her heart, burden of her heart, and on her Monday night service, the hurts, the habits, and the hang-ups. She has had no less than 33. Her smallest attended night has been 33 every Monday night. And this is her ministry, her calling, her burden. She's reaching people that you and I wouldn't think twice about talking to. You can get quiet. That's, we're Pentecostals. That's normal. But I thank God for my wife. I thank God for the blessing of Sandra in my life. And I'm taking just a few minutes, but I'll, I'll, uh, I'll just preach faster. It doesn't mean anything, but I will preach faster. Sister Nicole asked me, she said, I'm, I'm running cameras." she said, are you going to be moving around a lot? I said, look, sis, I'm at that age where I need the pulpit to make it. <laughs> I want to read to you, by the help of God, again, thank you for the privilege, the honor, and truly it is to be back, to be here, and to get to deliver the word of the Lord. And uh, if you'll just let me be me, I'm going to do something brand new here today. It kind of makes me nervous, but... Um, if you'll work with me, I'll work with God and we'll see what happens. Here's the way I, here's the way I build a sermon and don't laugh at me. I I get it. Maybe a statement or a verse. And then he shows me the end of the service. And then I reverse engineer. I figure out how to get there. I know that's weird, but when the Lord truly speaks to my spirit, he shows me how the service is going to end. And I can tell you in God's view of today, there's gonna be people dancing and shouting who haven't danced and shouted in years. Radical, fanatical worship. Miracles, signs, and wonders. I'm just telling you, in the past, in the past six months of my life, no, no, no stretching the truth, I have, I have seen more blinded eyes open, I've seen the crippled walk, I've seen the limbs straighten and grow. I've seen people get out of wheelchairs. I've, I've seen tumors disappear. Now some of you know I'm not just up here telling you stories to make you get, I'm telling you for a fact. I got video of it, I'll show you. We prayed for one young, one young child and it wasn't three minutes and God grew its right leg to match the left leg. And it wasn't five more minutes until that child was walking across the front of that crusade site. I I brought that home to mountain home, Arkansas, and we have recorded our 58th notable miracle in the past 12 months, cancers and tumors, heart attacks. If you'll stay with me, I'll preach as fast as I can, as quickly as I can. And then we'll go eat and be happy. Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, verse 5 through 9. Then we're going to jump to Psalms chapter 12. But Genesis chapter 2, verse 5. And every plant of the field before, would you shout before? Before. And every plant of the field before it was in the earth. And every herb of the field, would you shout "Before." before? Before it grew. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth. There was not a man to till the ground. But there went up mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And he became a living soul. Listen to the next verse. And the Lord God planted a garden. Everything was preexistent but unseeable because he didn't have a man. Psalms chapter 12, verse 1. Please don't misjudge my text yet. Psalms chapter 12 and verse number 1. Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth, for the faithful fail from among the children of men. They speak vanity, every one with his neighbor, with flattering lips, and with a double heart do they speak. The Lord shall cut off all flattering lips, the tongue that speaketh proud things, who have said with our tongue we will prevail, our lips are our own, who is Lord over us. For the oppression of the poor, for the sighing of the needy, now will I arise, saith the Lord. I will set him in safety from him that puffeth at him. The words of the Lord are pure words. As silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times, thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. The wicked on every side when the vilest men are exalted i want to preach to you for the next few moments and again if this flops just say he got old on us (laughs) if it's good say man he's great the wonder of the insignificant the wonder of the insignificant father i love you i praise you i exalt you you have blessed us already today with worship and music according to your word. But now we've come to that moment of impartation of your body, of your will, of your desire. And you've chosen through the foolishness of the next few moments to confound but yet deliver, confound but yet break break free the prison doors of sickness, of oppression, of depression of addictions, of hurts and habits and hang-ups. You chose what I'm fixing to do, God, to be the messenger, the method of deliverance. And I want to give you praise, and I want to give you thanks today. Matter of fact, clap your hands while you're being seated. Amen. You, You may be seated in Jesus' name. There's a lot, there's a lot to unpack in this text. There's a lot that we could talk about in this text. Obviously, time will not permit, even I am getting aware that I can't preach as long as I used to. But <laughs> time will not permit the unpacking of the entirety of this text, but there are there are comments or statements, there's a little text there that needs to be talked about in this hour. I do not believe the Bible is old news. I don't believe it's outdated. I don't believe the Word got old. I don't believe it needs a cane. I don't believe it needs Geritol. I don't believe it needs a -a one-a-day vitamin. I think the Word is still as good today as it has ever been. I think it's as powerful today as it's ever been. Jesus Christ is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God, and all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made, for in Him was the life, and the light was the light of the world. And the light, I'm just quoting the Word to get you excited, that it has not changed. It is the beginning and the ending. It is the first and the last. It is the Alpha and the Omega. It is the beginning, it is the author and the finisher of faith. It is what was, what is, and what will be. It is eternal, immutable, irrefutable, undeniable. It is exalted above anything in earth. It sets upon the throne of heaven. The name of Jesus is still as glorious as it was when it was revealed in Matthew 1. Emmanuel, God with us and his name shall be called Jesus I've come today to tell you you may think that name is insignificant but there's still a wonder in the insignificant there's still a wonder about the power and the authority and the wisdom and the dominion of God would you shout Jesus here today hallelujah 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 And there's so much about and in the word that if we would just slow down at times and dig a little deeper, it would come alive. I I, I could not help but be overwhelmed. The 178 verses, pastor said it right. If you hide this word in your heart, it's the only thing you have to keep you from might not sinning against God. The only weapon of defense I have today in this ungodly world is an understanding of the Word. That's why the Word had to become flesh and dwell among us but I have good news. The word didn't just become flesh and dwell among us, but I got to behold the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full, I'm just giving you word here today, full of grace and truth, you and I. We got to see the insignificant. We got to see Mary's little boy born in Bethlehem's manger that they thought insignificant. They thought unrecognizable or unimportant and and, and just another baby and just another event. But let me tell you what it really was. It was Emmanuel, God with us. It was God made flesh. It was the Spirit becoming visible. It was what men could not see. They began to see. I know I understand and again... Time and the clock will not permit me, but I, I don't want to run too quick beyond this foundation. Colossians is that unique book. It, it, is, it is a book of wonder to me. If you study Colossae would be the correct pronunciation. It was in population somewhere around 125 to 135 would be the population, the city limits. It sat in the shadow of Ephesus and Laodicea. It built its town on one side of the river. Ephesus had a church somewhere of 70 to 90,000. Laodicea had so much money and wealth and talent and ability that they were rich, increased with goods and have need of nothing but Colossae that little church who ran probably somewhere around 25 or 30 in attendance. It is the book of Colossians that we get the greatest of the revelation of the mighty God in Christ. It's not Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. It's not Ephesians or Galatians or Timothy or any other book, but it's that little book called Colossae or Colossians that we read in him dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead, bodily it was hid from ages and I know it's a little insignificant book but in the insignificant is hidden the wonder and the might and the majesty and the key of I'm even I'm afraid to even open my Bible to Colossians because when you get to Colossians he said Oh, this has been hid from ages and from generations. Men have desired to look in and on it, but it has been hid. It has been a secret, but guess what? It is now made known unto the church. That's me and you. It is no longer a mystery. Tell me what the mystery was. It was Christ, God of the Old Testament, the Jehovah of the Old Testament. He became flesh in the New Testament. He was justified. He was seen of angels. He preached unto the Gentiles. Henry, I can't believe I've only got 25 standing. And preached and delivered unto glory. But he came back as the comforter among all men. So what was with men is now in men. This is the book of insignificance. How about, how about this one? For in him dwelleth. Ephesians didn't say that. And they had 90,000 in their church. Laodicea didn't say that, and they had more money than God. But the little church of Colossae of 25, Paul picked up the pen while he was in prison, and he said, I'm gonna make the most powerful statements of my entire ministry but I'm going to place it into the hands of the insignificant ones. I'm going somewhere, if you'll work with me. I'm going to put it in the hands of what society writes off. I'm going to deposit greatness into what society says is unredeemable and not worth time. And not, I know, I know, I know some of you sitting there all suave and sophisticated but you wasn't always that way. I'm sorry, Nicole, I'm starting to move a little bit because I'm starting to feel good here right now. You, you, you wasn't always that way. I may may be standing up here in a tailor-made two double-breasted suit and a nice tie and a tailor-made shirt, but if you knew the hell I've lived through the last three years of my life, if you knew the battles that I have fought, if you knew the assassination attempts on my spiritual life, if you knew how mad hell was at me, you would be afraid of me right now because I have come long enough and far enough to determine that I'm gonna make hell more fearful of me than I've ever been of hell. So there's a deliverance that can, there is a shout that can, there is a breakthrough that will. If we'll take that step today, there's going to be a deliverance. You can get, I need a little more monitor, please. You can look at people and misjudge them, especially us Pentecostals, because we learn how to come into church and we learn how to put on the facade and we learn how to act like everything is all right. But if you knew the struggle I was having right now on the inside, if you could get beyond my flesh, and see the struggle that I am living through right now. But I have determined. Hell may think I'm insignificant. The world can call me insignificant. But I have come today to preach about a God that can take the most insignificant. The most small and minute. Some of you are going to sit right there. And you're going to let your hurt you're gonna let your habit, you're gonna let your hang up be your complete destruction rather than just throwing your hands up and saying you're the God of the insignificant one. You're the deliverer of the insignificant one. I'm not Ephesus. I'm not Laodicea. But in me the wells, the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Here's something I've always wondered about. How many would you lift your hands and say you have the Holy Ghost today? How many of you lift your hands and say you have the fire of the Holy Ghost today? Would you? Now, I'm going to run out of time before I'm going to run out of stuff, so hurry, help me. I need somebody to help me a minute. I need somebody with a short sleeve shirt on, somebody that can show me their arm. Come on, jump up here. Now, don't sue this church. Don't sue him. I am fixing to take this lighter. And I am going to put it on your arm. Fire burns. Do you understand me? Comprehende Espanol or Inglés? Sí, 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 senor. Fire will burn. Is that clear enough, Pastor? Okay, okay, so now here's the choice you determine when you move but you won't determine if you move put your arm out there just just like that now all all, all these sanctified folks said they had the holy ghost in fire but their behinds have been glued to that same chair for a year Holy Ghost can be up here. Miracles can be happening. But they're going to sit right there because they saved and sanctified. And they claim to be on fire. Let me show you what fire does to flesh. This is going to burn you if you don't move. Are you hearing me? Okay. Everybody see? What are you doing? How come you're moving? Huh? Huh? How, How come... How come you're moot sat there, sat there acting like you got fire? You a lie and you know you a lie. You, you, you're so cold and clammy. You shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost and with fire. It feels like fire. I may be insignificant, but when the Holy Ghost baptized me, he put something on the inside of me that is combustible. It is explosive. Hit it, Now we're having apostolic church. Now we're in the right environment for the insignificant to become monumental. I wish I could come put the fire under every one of you. I don't believe in all that emotional stuff. Come let me burn your hide. Yeah, you do stuff like that. I ain't me. I I, I got too much money. I got too much going on. Let me touch you with this hot wire. I don't care how many dollars you got in your bank account. When the fire touches you, it'll consume you. It will burn you or it will move you. Let's go back to church. Let's go back to the kind of church where entertainment is not why we're here, but the fire of the Holy Ghost can burn sin and imperfection and lift the purity of the armies of the glory of God I was was here Friday night and I am going to hurry I was here Friday night and begin to write and I just I wrote this title The Wonder of the Insignificant and I thought man The Wonder of the Insignificant and then I just wrote Esther Joseph Moses David just to name a few just people of no name, people of no reputation. Matter of fact, the, the few that I mentioned, world didn't know until after the fact. World didn't know until after the greatness of God had been revealed in their life. <laughs> Esther was an orphan living with an uncle, insignificant to the point the only hope she had was well, somebody would feel sorry for her enough to marry her off. And a dowry would be large enough for him to live on. He took her in, be out of duty and obligation. But somewhere, she happened to be at the right place at the right time. That's okay. Happened to be at the right place at the right time. And the king saw her and it wasn't just a few months later that she was able to walk into the throne room and the scepter extends and he says even up to half of my kingdom Well, she went from a beggar on a corner, an orphan to the palace don't rule out your life of insignificance don't let what hell has done to you disqualify you don't let the mistakes of yesteryear disqualified I don't care if you come in here today higher than a kite I don't care if you got meth cocaine crack pot I don't care what you got on you I come preaching Jesus is able to take the insignificant of your life and set you up in heaven like places I'm going to hurry. I wished I had time to preach about Joseph, the insignificant son. I wished I had time to talk about Moses, who, when he came of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer the affliction with God's people. Hear me, hear me. But it didn't start with his choosing. It started one verse earlier in the book of Hebrews where it says his mother and his father refused to obey the king's command. See, he was insignificant enough. His mom and dad hid him in an ark, hid him in the Nile River. He was so insignificant in their perception, they just wanted to keep him alive. What they didn't know was he wasn't just insignificant, he was the deliverer of the people of God, and God has a unique way of protecting his deliverance. After every backslider, I'm after every visitor here today. You may have thought you just walked in here by chance, you walked in here because you were invited. And there's some old saints that need to be reminded God is not a God that can forget God is not a God that shall forget matter of fact he's got a bowl setting somewhere in the heavenlies that collects every prayer of the fallen saints and he will not let them go unanswered I preach deliverance into this house today I'm telling you God is going to be in this place today the miraculous is going to set you free here today. Now, I've preached long enough to know you can preach to a moment, you can preach through a moment, and you can blow it. And we are at a moment right now Now, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question, and I think there are men here, men of God, who understand this. We can stop right here, and we can have a few get the Holy Ghost, and we can see normal. Normal for this church is for people to get the Holy Ghost, people to get delivered. Or if you'll work with me for another 15 minutes, God will show up in this place in a way where it would not surprise me if it didn't get brighter and not because the lights come on. It wouldn't surprise me if somebody didn't say, what's that floating, what is that on that? It would not surprise me if somebody didn't say, something just physically touched me, something. I'm telling you, God has led this church through a season of what some has called insignificance but God now is ready to lift this church out of what some say has been insignificant to a role of the prophetic and the miraculous. We've heard it before, I know you have, but you've not seen it before. It's just been talked about, but I'm not gonna talk about it here today. There will be a divine manifestation of God's glory. We were on our, last, okay. we was on our last night of our crusade here a few months ago, and we put a lot of money, time, and effort, and we got to the last night, and we met in the lobby, and it was, a, I need to be careful, my country vernacular got me in trouble Wednesday night. It come a lot of rain, and as we were standing in our hotel getting ready to load the bus up with our crusade team, they began to say, there's no way we can have crusade. I mean, this. It's rain. it's a typhoon, it's going to, it was horrible. Brother Corbin and I got together, he said, what do you think? I said, Bishop, I I don't know. I said, I just think we need to go on. He said, let's go. So we were about five minutes from the crusade site, and it had rained so bad. If you've ever been to India Bangladesh, you understand, when it starts raining, it can rain. And it was bad. And Bishop Corbin leaned over about five minutes from our crusade site. And he said if this continues there's no way we'll have our last night crusade what do you feel we should do i said i feel like you need to stand up and declare to the heavens to shut it up i know i know i got some of you insignificant thinking this doesn't happen but but look at this homegrown boy here I was on the bus when Bishop Corbin got up and said, we're fitting to pray. And he said, I declare the heavens to shut themselves up and there be no rain on the crusade ground. And when we drove on the crusade ground, not a blade of grass, not a speck of dirt was wet. The circumference was only the crusade site. And we had 5,700 get the Holy Ghost. When God gets, when God gets ready to remove the lifting or the covering of the insignificance. You know what I feel right now? I feel like there's some good folk. You have weathered the storms with this man You have weathered the storms of time and chance and circumstance, but the enemy is telling you you are insignificant or God would have already answered your prayer. You don't matter to God or it would already come to pass. Let me preach to that spirit right now. I bind you and I cast you back to the pit of hell because even though Elijah, Elisha, Even though you're dead, if God says double, God will give you double. Even if he's got to do it after life is no more. He's not a God that can't. I feel prophetic right now. It ain't time to give up on it. It ain't time to say it's not going to happen. It's time to say to him, be glory and honor and might. I may not understand it, but I accept it. I don't want to take advantage of this opportunity. I don't want to preach past my allotted time. But I I do have something that I feel the Lord told me to tell you. He said, when I get ready to move in that church, I'll go back to the future. I had my wife write it so I could read it. He said, I'll go back to the future. And I thought, how do you go back to the future? I'm not talking about the movie, I'm talking about God. For I am God, I declare the. That's how you go back to the future, you be God. See, I'm not God and you're not God. I can't go back and fix what I've already done. But God can take back to that moment. And declare something that you don't even understand of how it's going to end. Because when he looked at Mary and Martha and Lazarus, before Lazarus ever died, he said, Don't forget what I'm fixing to tell you because the day's coming when you're gonna to need to remember it. I am the resurrection and the life. And when they sent to him, they said, Your friend Lazarus is sick, nine to death. And Jesus said, They forgot already what I told them. So I'm gonna to have to let them experience. I can't hear you. I know you're listening, you're listening, you're listening. I'm going to have to let them experience what death feels like so that they'll take me at my word because I can't work with a people that can't believe before I do it. I'll, I'll work with you, I'll work with you. So he said, he said, let, 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 let him alone. He's sick now. I don't want to heal him. I want to raise him up. I want to prove, I want proof. I, I, want, I want to remove all doubt from their minds and he went the opposite way he he went away from Lazarus and word come and said he's dead and by the time he got there he stank and the Lord said take me to him and he made them take him to La- and then he said you move what you put in my way I can't hear you I need you to move what you put in my way. You put the stone there. I didn't put it there. Can I move it? Yes, but I didn't put it there. I told you, I, you should have left him at home. You should have left him in his own bed. Don't worry about the stink. Get your eyes on me. Don't put a period where I've got a comma. back, 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 I'll be done here in just a minute, back, 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 and so I began to think about, I begin to think about how God operates, and then, that's all I can say, it's, go ahead, you ain't bothering me, I had my wife write for me this morning, Israel sins, and God brings them back to remembrance, often throughout the Old Testament, that's the phrase, and then I went and talked about Elijah, who was rebuilding and restoring, and longing to find god again and some preacher ran to him and said we found this book and we really don't know what it is it seems like it's a bunch of laws and stuff and Athaliah said bring me a scribe bring me a preacher and he brought a preacher to him and the preacher said that that's the bible where 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 did you find that I found it amongst the junk and the rubbish and the rubble. And Athaliah said, read to me what it says. And whatever it says, we're going to do it. God has a way of taking us back to the future. In the beginning, what's the word? And the word, I'm going somewhere. Hang tight, hang tight, hang tight. And he restored the house of Israel. Martin Luther nailed his 64-page thesis to the wall and calls the revolution and a restoration. What we call going back is in reality reestablishing the origin of beginning. Can I make you think for 60 seconds? How many bought a gallon of gas this week at least? How do you know? You don't know. You know what trust you got? Leave, leave today. Go to any gas station. And on that gas pump, there's going to be a certificate from weights, measurements, and balances from the federal government. And those pumps have to be inspected so that when you give $1,953 for a gallon of gas, when that pump says you get a gallon, the federal government, authenticates you purchased a gallon this guest station gave you a gallon let me bring you to where I live in Arkansas when I go get a pound of bologna I want to make sure those scales are right. I don't want a half a pound, three-quarters of a pound. If I say a pound, I want a pound. How do I know they give me a pound? Because there's a certificate on that scale. You know who authenticates that? The federal government. And the federal government has an office in Washington, D.C. that is climate-controlled. It's called the Office of Measures, Weights, and Balances. And every measurement, weight, or balance, its origin comes out of that office. So if you ever doubt where you are currently, don't look around you. Go back to the origin. We got this puke floating along in the United Pentecostal Church about there being maybe two gods or possibly co-equal, co-eternal gods. Let me take you to the point of origin let us make man in our own image and in the image of god he created male and female and there wasn't two men created there wasn't three men created there was one man created in the oneness image of god don't be lied to there's only one god that You know why Paul, you know why Paul addressed most of his epistles now under our Lord God and Father because he knew that every Jew believed in one God. You won't find a true Jew that believes in more than one God, but Paul's problem was not getting the Old Testament Jew to believe in the one God. It was getting the Old Testament Jew to believe the one God was the man Christ, So what do you do? You go back to the origin. There's gonna be a son born. There's gonna be a child given. And his name shall be, I didn't hear you. And his name, singular, shall, I'm just reminding you, Revival Church, you've got a place of origin that can remove all doubt. seventh and I Street, right? Am I still right? How do you know? What if I went out there and put Morgan and Johnson? You go down to the clerk's office, do a little research. You'll find seventh and I, but here's what you'll find. You'll find longitude and latitude. Every address in the world is held in solidarity, safety, by this method. Greenwich, England. There's a little metal plate sitting on the ground, and it says zero. And every address in the known world Traces itself back to that origin. If you ever get lost, find the origin. Can I preach to my generation just a moment? Man, we've been hit with everything. We've been hit with all this junk and puke. We've been hit with junk. Let me just say junk. I hate it, but it's a reality. It's knocked us down. It's knocked us sideways. It's staggered us. It's made us doubt everything. You know the only way I have survived until this moment, I went back to the future. I found my point of origin. Hero oh Israel, the Lord our God, he is one. He is one. He is one. He is one. We want, we want holiness more than we want anything. And I love holiness. I think we misunderstand holiness. I think some of us think holiness is what you can buy from Walmart or Target. And you can't buy holiness from Walmart or Target. But may I go to the point of origin. Follow peace with all men. And without holiness no man shall see God. Why are we so cantankerous if we're holiness? The origin of holiness is peace. Boy, it got quiet on that. I said the origin and foundation of holiness is the spirit of peace. You don't believe that no more than you believe I'm blind-headed. Because that can spirit. Follow peace with all men. That's what holiness is connected to. Well, if you love them like that, aren't you condoning it? I don't know, you'd have to go back to the origin and see who Jesus ran with. My wife, my beautiful, sexy, that girl can still kiss. That wasn't the Holy Ghost, that was flesh. Move on. I'll move right there, dog. I got armed security guards on Monday nights. I got three guys, and they loaded. I mean, they are loaded for bear. And they don't leave the building until the first lady's in her car. And they have contacted me and say, first lady's on her way home. Because the kind of people that my wife is meeting on Monday night, you wouldn't want anywhere near your purse. Uh, Shanda, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, and sit there in all of your glory let me let me let me just let me just close my eyes and and, and, and preach just a moment here, David or Genesis is that unique verse. Genesis staggers me he said god 's got everything ready, and i 'm going to hurry now god's got everything ready, and i won 't take time to read it like I was going to, but he said. Just under the earth is every herb. Just under the earth is every tree. Just under what you cannot see is everything good for man. Just out of your vision, just out of your reach is everything that you need. And the reason why you haven't seen it is because God can't find a man that can break open the earth. I don't think you heard me. We're not waiting on God to do anything. We're not waiting on God to perform miracles. We're not waiting on God to open the blinded eye. We're waiting on you and me to reach over and lay our hands on somebody and break open this old earthly carved clay and say, let it flow out of me a river of living water. God, if you're looking for a man to work through, you found him right here. I may be insignificant. People may try to kill me and assassinate me, but if you'll use me if you'll anoint me if you'll equip me if you'll take me here I am God broken God is ready to open the world for business and he's just waiting he's just waiting God can see under the clay. See, some of you come in here with your cigarettes and your stuff in your purse, and you're, you're getting nervous because you, you've you not had a toke or a smoke or a drink or a fix in an hour and a half. Your body's starting to react, and your mind's starting to play tricks on you. You're wondering how much longer you can last. And the rest of you are just sitting there wondering how much longer you've got to endure. But the truth of the matter, God is saying... If they only knew what's just under the surface. I know, I know you don't need proof, but sometimes we offer it when we don't need to. So I'll give you proof even you don't need to. In one service, I walked to my pulpit. I didn't want to preach. God was there. And I said, if you're here today and you have a hurt, I mean a real legit hurt, I want you to stand. I said, if you have a habit, If you have a habit, I want you to stand. If you have a hang-up, I want you to stand. We had 161 people stand. You listening? And I said, I'm going to pray one simple prayer. I'm not going to lift my voice. I'm going to declare the handiwork of God. I'm going to take the layer of clay off and reveal God's potential. And there will be miracles. We had 116 notable, visible miracles three weeks ago. You don't have to go home with that facade of everything right in your life. If I could just get you, I'm going to take you to Psalms next. If I could just get you to break open your flesh for 33 and a half seconds, you would walk out of here with your miracle. You would lay that habit aside. That hurt would have ministry attached to it. That hang up would have the, I can't hear you. You'd rather hang on to it than let it go. It's become your identity and not your method of deliverance. I've come today to tell you, devil, you've had me for your last moment. You've made a joke out of my life your last day. Deliverance is headed in my direction. I will leave here free. You've heard it preached. It's a well-known text. Help, everybody shout help. Now I'm gonna move quick. You've been kind, you've been good. Help, oh God. If there's ever been a season in my life where I've cried for help, it's, it's been lately. I, I'm, I'm not on a crusade and I'm not your pastor. I love this church, I love your pastor. So I feel probably a little more liberty here More than anywhere outside of my own pulpit, but we're living in a perverted world. When drag queens are celebrated and preachers are jailed, we're living in a perverted society. My God, Pastor Johnson, we got families in this place today that you don't even know about that this week have thought so hard and so bitter that they've called lawyers and started negotiating divorce settlements and they're trying to hide it from the church. We got parents that are about to give up on kids that you prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and 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 they're not getting closer, they're getting further and there's a desperation in you and all you know how to do is say help, 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 God, help, help. But let me tell you something, you can't use Psalms 8, help because that's not really what it means I'll give you proof help Lord for the godly man the average man in my kingdom is no longer capable of the task at hand help The faithful fall. Good people. Little Jeremiah. Good people. Thrown in the towel. People you'd never think. People you would never believe. Have thrown in the towel of surrender. And David rises to the occasion. And he screams to the top of his voice. And he goes to the only source. The origin. And he says help. I'm fixing to invoke a clause. God, give me five more minutes to deliver this and I'm done. I'm fixing to invoke the clause, God. And when I invoke the clause, there's going to be a deliverance in this place. There's going to be a miracle in this place. There's going to be a breakthrough in this place. Help! This psalm... This psalm is another one where there isn't a clear event in life of David that's pointed to. There's nothing in particular that David is referencing to. Just out of nowhere, David screams, help, Lord. That's why it's a little out of context. Scholars seem to think that there's one that he's been faced deceit or dishonesty in his court after he was king. In other words, he got betrayed, possibly. Somebody stabbed him in his back, possibly, whatever it was. David was at the end of his rope. David felt hurt. David felt like life was cruel and out of control. And he uttered what we all have felt at one time or another, help. Today, whose world is full of liars and false flatterers, the righteous hardly know who to trust. Psalms 12 continues with the similar themes of 10. 10. And 11, Psalms, the chapter, Psalms 10, the chapter the wicked use their words to boast and sneer. Psalms 11, the wicked use their words to tear down the moral and social formations of society. And Psalms 12, the wicked use their words on dishonesty and flattery to get what they want. I hope you're picking up on the pattern through these psalms. Solomon knew all about flattery, Proverbs 26, 28, Proverbs 28, 23, Proverbs 29, 5. Daniel noted that flattery would be the tool of the wicked world, ruler, in Daniel eleven thirty two. 32. Jude defines flattery as being something ungodly in Jude chapter 16. But here is where we need Holy Ghost-filled people that comes through with instructions. Guard your tongue. Come on. Come on, guard your tongue. Don't talk about them. Don't mention it. Don't repeat that garbage, even though you think it's true. Don't repeat it. I don't. I don't have time to do justice to that. But dear God in heaven, shut your mouth. Did you hear? No, and I don't want to. All I want to know is help God. When the faithful vanish. Now, in your library, you'll find my notes. And when I mention the commentary, you'll know who I'm talking about. But there's a little commentary by the last name of Phillips. What I'm fixing to say, I copied out of it. You ready? John Phillips, volume one, exploring the Psalms. Psalms one through 88, page 92. Before moving into the psalm, you look to a word in the superscription, and the word is called sheminith, C-S-H-E-M-I-N-I-T-H. The word is also found in the superscription of Psalms chapter 6. It has one other reference in all the entirety of the Old Testament text, 1 Chronicles 1521. Its literal meaning is the eighth Division, the eighth division, because it's attached to First Chronicles, we find an order of worship that Israel participated in that required of them to hold a special place. Are you ready? For the eighth division, subtext, the righteous worshiper. We're fixing to have church. These were not your normal hand clappers. These were not your normal aisle runners. These were not your normal prayer warriors. These were people that were cut above, a step beyond, louder than, more fervent than most. They were worshipers that didn't care if somebody heard them, saw them, acknowledged, accepted, or followed. Whether they were comfortable or not, when the eighth division was called, they stood to attention, and they worshipped with such fervency that God had to answer. Can I can I preach? Can I preach like a grandfather? Can I preach like a father of four? Can I preach like a pastor? There ought to be every parent on your feet right now. Every parent ought to be standing up right now, clapping and jumping and weeping because the devil is after your children. The devil is after your marriage. Help, Lord, but guess what? God has the eighth division. He's got the insignificant ready. he outranks me but if you come to this altar I don't want you on your knees especially if you have the Holy Ghost if you don't have the Holy Ghost you do what you're comfortable doing but you're not coming today begging God for nothing that's a trick the enemy's gotten the Pentecostal movement into doing you're not a beggar, you're a son Psalms chapter 6 and Psalms chapter 12, there's unique connections to when we need worshipers who are cut above the rest. Psalms chapter 6 dealt with the consequence that had been so troubled by sin and the need of confession to set it right. David now is making his appeal again in another situation. I'm almost done. David is experiencing a moment where it seems like the faithful shout the faithful, shout the holy, shout the righteous shout the elect, are nowhere to be found. So David stands back and he says, if I just had a division of the righteous worshipers, if I could find the eighth division, I could get help in this moment right now yeah let me preach just a moment the sinful culture of our society and the sophisticated culture of the sanctuary is doing its best to squeeze the life out of the holy and the devoted worshiper the need not be so among us if you have a desire to live a half-hearted devotion, that's a personal choice. But please don't attempt to scorn the devotion of us eighth division worshipers. If you're not all in, that's okay, but I am. If you don't want to give all, that's okay, but I do. If you don't want to risk all, that's okay, but I have. You can mock me, you can laugh at me, you can call me insignificant, but God it's going to hear me today when I worship. Are you ready? Hang on just a minute. Hang on, you can't do it if you don't know what I want you to do. In passing, most scholars feel like this group was made up of men. Stay with me. However, there's a corresponding division that was made up of women. And you find them in 1 Chronicles fifteen twenty, And they're called the Alamoths. A-L-A-M-O-T-H. They are mentioned in the book of Psalms, chapter 46. And they are associated with the spirit of refuge. You know what they did, Pastor? They played the timbrel and they danced. Righteous men shouted aloud and lifted their voice and their hands. Righteous women played the timbrel and danced. And dominion and authority married refuge and sanctity. You know what we got? We got women that give refuge, but we don't have men to give dominion and power. I've overstayed my welcome. I apologize. Thank you for letting me, but let me finish. Psalms 46, let's find some alamoths. The context of 1 Chronicles 15 was when the ark was taken from the house of Obadiah to go back to Jerusalem. Three groups of worshipers were involved in escorting it back to Zion. You ready? The Levites, shout Levites. Guess who else is mentioned? Shimoneth Alamoth. It doesn't do him any good to do it by himself if he doesn't have some moms who want to fight for their children. If he doesn't have some... I, I need I need about, I'll let you pick them. I need about three Holy Ghost filled men. To, now look, if, if you saved and sanctified and got spiritual cooth on your forehead, I don't need you. But I need about three Holy Ghost filled men that know what a buffoon is to get up here. One, two, three. I need some, I need some Alamoths. I need three Alamoths to get up here. I need some Holy Ghost filled women, three of you, come on. Come on, I'll take four. Come on. Help, Lord. Help, Lord. My God, the drag queens are taking over America. My God, the spirit of Hollywood has raped and pillaged the church. My God, look at what... You can get so overwhelmed in what you think you see that you forget the little insignificant righteous church. Oh, see, I got four hand claps right there. Do you really think God's going to let sin prevail in the end time? Not as long as he's got some Alamoth's and Shimonoth's. Not as long as he's got some men and women ready. I'm not talking about intercessory prayer. I'm talking about a wild bug chicken Holy Ghost praise that releases the supernatural power of the Holy Ghost that lets God be God and every man a liar. Come on, Pentecostals. Men, come. here's your job. See all those people out there? They say they got the Holy Ghost. But they're only going to clap their hands a certain amount of times. And they're only going to say hallelujah a certain amount of times. And then they're going to to go eat. And that's common. That's normal. That's what flesh does. You can't fight flesh and blood, so don't try. So there are going to be special moments in my kingdom that I'm going to need special divisions when nothing else works. When the normal praise, the normal singing, the normal preaching, the normal stuff just won't work. I have in reservation something that I call the eighth division. And my man David knew all about it in his most helpless moment. He didn't call for the psaltery and the harp. He called for the division of worshipers, righteous worshipers. Because they don't care what time it is. They don't care how foolish they look. Their wives are dependent on them. Their family is dependent on them. Their pastor's depending on them. The kingdom is depending on them. And you can't get there doing this. You gotta let it go. You gotta let it go. You just gotta quit. You just gotta stop. You just gotta praise when nothing happens. You know why the devil's taking you home? Cause you forgot about the 8th Division. Let it go, sis. Let it go. Let it go! 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 You want to see the blind and eye open? You want to see the deaf here and stop? You want to see miracles? Become an eighth division worship. you, right? I mean, the Holy Ghost is fixing to just like jump on you. But it ain't scary. It's a good feeling. It just—it's it, like the best drug. It's better than any drink. It's absolutely awesome. Hang on, just a minute. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Here's the way. Here's the way the old folk would say it. Ready? We'd be sitting out there like this, and somebody walk to the pulpit and they'd open up a songbook and they'd say, Let's turn the page 54. And everybody'd go turn their phone or their songbook and they'd look up page 54. Mm. Will as I journey through the land. Singing as I go Pointing souls to Calvary To that crimson flow Where many arrows pierce my soul From without within But my Lord leads me on And through him I'm gonna win And oh, I want to see him Oh, look upon his face There to sing forever Of his saving grace on the streets of glory Well, let me lift my voice Tears all past Home at last Ever to And by about By about verse 3 Somebody over here Would start And before you know it Bobby pins would start flying Now we got everything go ahead and snicker you don't need help you're not going to get out of this life without help and the only help that you can get comes from god and the only way god's going to respond is for the